Oh, hi. Thanks for hitting play on the Melbourne Digest podcast. What an absolute legend you are. But enough of me saying lots of good things about you and time for more food chat. Now cue that jazzy intro music. I first discovered Burr Cakes on a good old-fashioned Instagram scroll where I saw these bright, fun cakes with hilarious slogans like Yay Science and Pop and Buttons for Suttons, which you could send to people to celebrate them getting their COVID vaccination. I loved them and decided I just had to speak with the brains behind this venture. And she's not just a pretty cake. Zahara, the brains behind Burr Cakes, is an incredible pastry chef who gave up her marketing job, started learning the craft, and eventually moved to Paris to work at Latouray. Now she makes delicious, joyful cakes and is just generally a pretty joyful person. We laughed a lot in this interview. I edited out quite a lot of guffaws and giggles. It was just a delight, but also really touching and really open. Um, But before we get to that, as always, I asked Zahara what her ultimate comfort food is. Um, It's it's pasta of any sort whatsoever. I'm sure a few people have said that, but it really is my go-to. And I was thinking about this. I was like, you have to narrow it down, Zahara. You can't just say pasta. This is a food podcast. Um, So I think it would be garlic and broccoli pasta because it's things that we always have in the fridge and there's always pasta in the cupboard. So that's usually usually my go-to. I'm Zahara, owner of Burr Cakes and Pastries. So I want to hear all about Burr. So can you tell me about the Burr journey, how it got started, what's the history behind it, what is it that you create and do? Um, so Burr started, it was about eight or nine years ago. I was working in marketing uh, in like a graduate program. It was, I, I kind of fell into that path of doing marketing because all my friends around me at uni were applying for grad programs and all their different fields. And I thought, well, that's what I have to do. So I did that and I, just, I, I see it now as just wasted hours of applying because each application takes like two or three hours. And um, I ended up getting this position. At first, it was an internship turned into a grad program and I now I can recognize that what was happening every morning was panic attacks and at the time I just thought get over it you're just a bit nervous but I couldn't get over it my husband my now husband then boyfriend had to like drop me into work most mornings because I couldn't drive I was just frozen at the wheel I wouldn't sleep the night before I'd get into work and go straight to the toilets to cry so I did that for about 18 months and then Probably not a sustainable behaviour as a hire. I ended up seeing the work psychologist and kind of realised that this doesn't need to be life, which seems so silly. But I do think that the world and the understanding of mental health was so different even just eight years ago. Uh, and so I kind of realised that there was this fear about what can I do? I don't have any passions. And a lot of my thinking in general is quite fear-based. So my fears were that I don't know what else to do. I'm not qualified for anything else. Therefore, I can't do anything else. What will my parents say coming from an Indian background? You know, it's, it's, well, what are they going to say? I'm too scared to tell them that I've spent, you know, six years of doing this uni degree. You know, what now what? Fear of failure. 
if this next step, whatever it may be, doesn't work, then what? Fear that what will my colleagues at Holden think of me? They probably think I'm weak now anyway for not coping. What are they going to be their next thoughts? And so then I ended up like the, the biggest one was what will my parents say? And that was the first step. And they were just, my typical experience is that I make it worse than what it's going to be. And they were very much like, great. So what are you doing then doing this? If this isn't what you want to do. <laughs> okay, cool. If I'd known it was this easy. <laughs> I would have done it months ago. <laughs> and then I kind of sat on it for another six months thinking, well, what do I want to do? And it was, it was, I kind of was getting to the point of it's baking, it's baking, it's baking. And then I sat down with my a partner and we made a list of all the different patisseries I'd ideally want to work for in Melbourne and we did that and we spent a day kind of like giving my CV round to everyone and this stage Zahara did you have any baking no training or anything nothing, no, nothing whatsoever uh, I thought I'll just apply and see what happens because I don't know what they they will tell me what I need to mm. do they will they will tell me what is required of me and I know it was very clear on it that I've got no experience. This is a career change. So, you know, and I think what I thought I had going for me, and this is so funny now that I think about it, so I was 24 at the time. I saw myself as a mature age student uh, and I thought, I thought, <laughs> I think about it now, and I thought, well, I've got age on my side. I ended up getting a, a call from none of those people except for out of nowhere, um, I was I, I was driving past this one place and they and it was Liquissant where I ended up working and I thought I'm gonna hand in my resume there I haven't handed it there called in a sickie and I said I've got a terrible migraine I've got to go home had my like extra resumes in the car already so I just picked up like I just went straight to Liquissant handed it in and they said how did you know we were hiring I said I didn't know you're hiring and it was great from there on that was it I was there for four years so then they signed me up to do the apprenticeship program with William Angus. Yes. yes, I worked there for four, I think it was almost five years. I think that was really good because, you know, I, I really wanted to learn the classics, croissants, milfay. It was just traditional tarts. It was really, it was really brioche. It was really good. And then it was my partner again. He was like, I think it's time to, he's like, you need to push yourself. And I was like, no, 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 we don't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> Don't never worked for anyone. Okay. Um, he's like, I think, I think we need to go like overseas. I think, I think that's what needs to happen. And he was really, he's really been the, the person that's pushed for new things each time. Um, because I'm so scared of taking that next jump. Oh, sorry. Here's that big thing I forgot. In the middle of all of that, I started Burr. So I was doing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, it was, it was really early. It was I'd bake on the weekends to do markets. Um, uh, I'd bake on the week uh, to do markets on the weekends rather. Yeah. And then I continued doing that at Le Croissant. So I'd finish, I'd start work at about 4 a.m. at Le Croissant, finish at 1, 1, 1 ish, 1 to 2, go home and start baking for markets. And I don't know where that energy came from. God help me, I don't have it now. Um, <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was fun to see people. Like I'll never forget the first time someone who wasn't like a stranger bought something from a market and, it was just, I just never thought that would ever happen. One thing, like one of the main things I love about it is just when, I mean, and this is probably the the people pleaser in me being like, tell me, tell me you like it. <laughs> yeah, so then we moved to France. We were fancy free, no kids at that time. Yeah, that was, so that was at the end of 2016. We moved over there just before Christmas and we were there for a year. 
so kind of in the first six weeks I was looking for work and that was that was really scary because it was um all in French and <laughs> while I, I mean I thought I did because I did it at uni and at school uh I did not is the answer <laughs> no <laughs> it was it was fine it was it was passable but and I knew I think this is one of the good things of not having um like I, I really keep my ego in check I'm on and I'm on the honestly if there's like a spectrum I'm on the low end of like self-belief and all that kind of stuff it was it was good in that way because I didn't go in thinking this will be fine I speak French and it's not going to be a problem it was this is going to be hard they speak very quickly I know this for a fact let's see how it goes yeah you had the realistic expectations of what you were walking yeah. into there yeah. yeah then I um applied at La Durée and I I'm going to bury that interview in the in the deep recesses of my brain because it's, it's just uh, my French. I mean, my French obviously shot up straight after I started working from day dot. But yeah, it was it, it was a confusing time for everyone in that room. Um, <laughs> but something obviously worked. You got the job. <laughs> I think honestly, it was probably just like the willingness to just be like, just just hire me. I'll do my very best. You know, like I'm, I just want to learn. I don't. I wasn't coming in as a French chef who's got ideas to bring to the. It was none of that. You know, it was no ego. I just want to learn. So I started off in the decorations team. There'd be like a team that would do the baking, a team that would assemble it, a team that would decorate things. And I was in that, we were the last point before it went to customers. Yeah. It, and it, it was really, really, um, I guess, fortuitous about it was that was one of the things I really wanted to improve on was just my presentation. Mm. And um, yeah, so we did that. <clears throat> I did that. How many times can I say I've got anxiety? It was just, <laughs> it was really hard because there was a lot of screaming and what you see on TV that was that was tough. That was really uh, when put it this way, when I was in labour with my firstborn, in between contractions, I looked at my husband and I said, "This is still easy." <laughs> what What was great though was after about three months of just fucking up so many things and being yelled at and nonstop crying when I got home there was a point where it flicked. Things started slowly coming into place and my French had just, you know, it was really had accelerated. I was joking with them in French. I was dreaming in French, which is like one of those things where when you start dreaming in the language, it's, it's coming got together. It. Yeah. Yeah. They would chat to me and joke with me at lunchtime. I didn't feel like I was like in this isolated bubble, not being able to communicate, not on their part, but on, mm. on my part for not being able to reach out. I started seeing them as friends as well as as colleagues. And then when it came to what happened was I fell pregnant and I, I said to Ed, um, I don't think I want to work anymore because they were, they were, we were going to start moving into different teams and I was going to move into the team that builds everything and you need a lot of like you're lifting really heavy mm -hmm. stuff. And I said, I don't, I don't want to risk it. I don't, like this has been great, but it's not, it's not worth it. And that was towards the end of the year anyway. So they were really sad when, oh. when, I, when I resigned. And one thing that one of my bosses said to me was he said, you know, I didn't think you were going to make it. And I would say to the girls, because it was mostly girls in the team, I said to the girls, she's not going to make it. Um, he's like, but the thing that set you apart was that you um, 
I'll never, I'll never forget it. He went like this, like holding on to a wall. And he said, um, like you held on. You really, really held on. Like, yeah, I did. I really did. I really did hold on. And, and he's like, and, and that's now here you are kind of thing. And they had like a going away dinner for me. And it, would just, it just felt like, like yeah, it felt, really, it felt really nice at the end. Came home. I uh, had a baby and we, I just kind of kept going with birth. I just kept, kept going, going, going. Then I had another baby and then the pandemic hit the same week that she was born. Lockdown hit, sorry, the very first lockdown. Then I just kind of slowly started taking, you know, I was, I was, it was very clear weddings and stuff were over. So um, I thought let's just do small offerings and that's kind of, kind of step one, I guess, of where we are now. Yeah, because I guess like the way that I found out about you is I guess, you know, I'm not looking for a wedding cake or anything fancy like that, but I came across you because I saw your Vax cakes, um, which has obviously been very much a COVID offering and purely, I think, a creation of COVID. But, you know, you have your Vax cakes and you have your people pleaser cakes and they're just like very fun and interesting. And for anyone who hasn't seen them, I think they can jump on your Instagram and they can see them. But I guess, what was the background for wanting to do these? And I think it's interesting, especially hearing your story initially, that you've got these people pleaser um, cakes. It's quite a change. But, you know, what's the story behind them? How have they gone down? What's some of the reactions that you've got? Um, it, was, it came about because a friend asked for a little cake. She's like, do you have anything in the freezer? Brother's getting his vaccine. I want to give him something. And I was like, I'll do you one better. I'm going to make something. Uh, and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, so I did that, and I think one of my friend, one of my other friends, who was talking to me about it, and she said, "You're not, I'm very conflict averse. I hate it, and the, the whiff of it, and I, I, I shrink." And she said, "And she isn't. She, she is quite comfortable with conflict." Mm-hmm. And she said to me, "Yeah, look, I get it. You're conflict averse, but you're also very subversive in the way that you handle." conflict she's like you've just gone and put out a bunch of cakes that are congratulating people for getting taxed so, so it's pretty clear what your stance is and I, and I was thinking about it I was like yeah I think what it is is I don't want to engage anyone in a negative way um, because it's such vitriolic language that comes along with it yeah and I'm not here to have an argument about the difference between anti-vaxxers and, and vaccine hesitant. I don't like, I don't care about any of that. I just want to put something out there that's fun and it's for the people that want to have fun. Like I got someone that emailed me um, saying that I was contributing to genocide. It was very um, like love and light vibes in it. But then in there was your contributing to genocide. Uh, someone else told me that I should um, shove cakes down my own throat and not theirs um so that was that was the first one I got and I, I was a bit rattled by that because yeah. it was they've, they've you know they've they've sought me out to do this um but then you know then after that it was like it was nothing it was cricket so um which is glorious it still makes me laugh one of them has I think it's um popping buttons for Sutton on it okay. and it just like makes me laugh every time um, that was, so I, I can't take credit for that phrase. That was actually, I was talking to one of my best friends and when I was doing like the prototypes for them mm-hmm. and chatting away and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to give it a go making these like little vaccine cakes. And she's very good with puns. Mm. And I was like, quick, like, give me, give me a pun, give me a pun. And she, off the top of her head, she's like, oh, popping buttons for sudden. And I was like, oh, <laughs> 
how did you do that? <laughs> but I think as well, it yeah. kind of reflects, I mean, from looking at what you do, you don't take that kind of maybe stodgy approach to baking. It's really fun and light and even, you know, decorating flavors, concept branding, like your menu on the front. It's like what you feel about Ryan Gosling is what we feel about desserts. Like everything is quite <laughs> fun, which I do find quite interesting considering, you know, your background in pastry chef, which is very specific and trained and exacting. So, you know, why, why do you think this kind of fun approach is important to you or why you've decided to go more down that path? I think what I found, what I found and find quite intimidating patisserie and just chefing in general is, I know I've mentioned it a few times, so I apologise, but the ego that comes along with it and this mentality of we don't joke around, this is very serious stuff, you know. And the way I look at it is... It's not cancer research, it's cake. This is something fun. It's for something fun. So let's have fun with it. While I take my work very seriously, which is why I wanted to be trained, which is why I wanted to stick to one job for so many years to get it right and to, you know, to nail how to do croissants, to nail how to make puff pastry. You know, I went to France to, to pursue my uh, furthering my skill set. So I take that very seriously, but I don't think that that therefore means you can't have fun with things. I don't think that separates you from that. So I take my work seriously and sometimes I I can take myself too seriously, but I also cope with humour. I think especially in the last year, everyone has started, not everyone, people have started becoming a bit more loosey-goosey with letting their emotions out. And kind of joking about the hard things that they're going through. So, for example, I've just released a new set of cakes called Mood Cakes. And one of them says, um, what a year. Uh, another one says, burn it down. Have fun with it. And But number one is it needs to taste good. And mm. I can guarantee that. But people eat with their eyes. And people also are emotional beings, which is where that, the playfulness comes into it as well. Obviously, you didn't have formal training initially. You've since developed that. But you obviously had an interest in baking. So who taught you to bake and why is it important and what's the connection to you, I guess, between food and family and, you know, the importance of it in your life? Mum. Mum is um, she's a very good cook. Uh, I know everyone says their mum's the best cook, but like my mum is. Um, <laughs> but she's, she's great She because my mum's Pakistani and my dad is Indian Singaporean. So when they got married, mum moved from Pakistan to Singapore. So the food that we've always grown up eating is a mix of Pakistani food as well as um, Singaporean. So you stir fries and, you know, Hainanese chicken rice and all that kind of stuff, laksa, rendangs, all of that. So it's also made for a lot of disappointing dinners when we go out because mum will just, she'll be like, mm, this isn't, I could have done a bit. Why did we go out? <laughs> and, you know, even now, if she, you know, she gets such joy from cooking for the family. Mm. And she, I remember one time she made, I mean, this has happened a few times, but this one time sticks in my brain where she was making a biryani for all of us, like my brother, like all the grandkids and partners and everyone. And um, she was really quiet at the end of the meal. And uh, I knew that she wasn't happy with the biryani because she'd mentioned it to me 
earlier that day. And my sister-in-law said, um, we call her Mina. It's a, like a short form of grandmothers. We were like, we were like she's like, Mina, what, um, what's, you all right? You seem really upset. And she's like, and I, I just cut her off. And I said, I just like interjected, didn't cut her off. She's not happy with the biryani, Maddie. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> Maddie, it's true. And she's just, she was so upset. Like she really felt it. Like I, I haven't done a good job here. And it's, so that's where that's come from with like wanting to please people with food. Mm. She doesn't, she, you know, her desserts that she does are kind of traditional desserts, kind of like Indian desserts and, and Malaysian from time to time, but she doesn't really do like cakes or Western desserts or anything like that. Definitely not European or anything. Um, so that's where I would kind of get these cravings for things that my friends were eating at school. And, and she'd be like, um, I don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> what is this? And I mean, I didn't do heaps of baking when I was little. It became a crutch bake at nighttime before I decided I wanted to really pursue it as a career, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, a, you know, you know, there's stories where you, you hear people go, I would sit under the table while my grandmother did th- none of that. Obviously, you've learned a lot. You've done a lot. You've experienced a lot in terms of this baking world since you've come into it. And I think you've come up with some really cool flavor combinations and cake offerings. And, you know, sometimes not just following the trend of here's a chocolate and salted caramel cake like you you have lots of different options and something for everyone so I guess is is there some flavors that you're really proud of and really happy with and anything else you considered and thought could be great and then we're like "Mm, maybe not so my favorite one I've got two favorites Mm -hmm. on the menu um the and my I've got two sets of menus one is a classic menu and one is a a luxe menu so the classic is it's all in the name really um self-explanatory yeah so there's a chocolate hazelnut sponge with a milk chocolate chantilly. And it the chocolate sponge, um, I was on the hunt to get this right for, for an, a few years because there was this cake that we used to have in Singapore for every single birthday cake. And, again, this is the thing with food and memories and, you know, that kind of thing. And and um, we'd have it for every birthday cake. We'd look at our photos and there's always a, a Lana. It was called the, – the brand was called Lana. There was always a Lana cake in all the photos and I could never quite get it right. Um, I'd never tasted it here either, something similar to it. Mm. So I finally got it and nailed it. And what was funny about that was when I, I didn't tell my parents that, that I was trying to get it right or my brother. And I, like, when they tried it, my brother said, that's, that's a, and I was like, it's a lava cake. He's like, yes, it's a lava cake. <laughs> And it was, it was just so, um, like, validating to be yeah. like, you, you take it, right? Like, it's there. It's not just me. So that's, yes, that's that one. And then the milk chocolate Chantilly was, it was a Chantilly that um, that we made at La Durée. Mm. a different recipe. Mm. But I'd never thought of, like, incorporating this, like, milky, creamy filling into a chocolate cake, you know? And, like, yeah, I have my ganaches in there as well and all of that in my menu. As I said, I try to have something for everyone. Mm. But this one's, like, it's really, it's just, it's not too sweet and it's super, like, the cake is super fluffy and the filling is really creamy, almost got, like, a Milo-y taste to it. It's oh, just, yeah. I enjoy it deeply. Heaven. The other one is Pekin and Biscoff. So it's a Pekin cake with a Biscoff uh, Chantilly oh. through it. 
and um, then caramelized pecan bits, uh-huh. not bits, but like through it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and sometimes I do a variation on that with um, I'll make like a creme diplomate. So I'll do like a creme patissier and and whip cream through that, fold cream through that, and then put the the biscoff through that as well. So it's just like almost like an eclair filling, but in a cake. The one that didn't work, mm. uh, <laughs> which we don't talk about in this house. <laughs> it was called cake for breakfast, which I thought was very clever. Um, so it was a malt vanilla cake or vanilla malt cake. And then um, I called it granola, but it was more just like a spice cheesecake crumble. So it was not a, oh. it was not oats cake. But I think that's what people were like, why, why is this happening? Uh, and then a yogurt chantilly, and I just—I thought it tasted amazing. My I mother, love the concept. My mother, Queen Critic, agreed. She was like, "That's so good." And then no one ordered it, so it obviously was disgusting to people's eyes. So it was, I mean, I left it on there for a solid year on the menu. I'm like, oh. someone's going to order, order it. No one. No one. It does. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, some people might be having some celebratory brunches. Surely we can like shoehorn it in there somewhere. <laughs> um, obviously, on COVID, you haven't been able to enjoy food so much. So is there anywhere you're really looking forward to eating again or any dishes you can't wait to have or items on the menu you're excited to dig into in Melbourne? Um, I've got two. Uh, Lucy Lou. I just want to go back to Lucy Lou and just... And just really sit there and not talk to anyone. <laughs> just stuff my face <laughs> with their food. Um, so Lucy is definitely number one on the list. Um, number two is I really want to try um, Nabil Ansari at the Hotel Windsor. Mm-hmm. It's um, he's the head chef, and he was doing uh, like takeaway dinners during lockdown Wednesday for my partner and I to for my husband and I to to go. Um, because it's just it, it it's just it's when I looked at the menu it's all the food that we would eat in Pakistan and to just see that done by a reputable chef here I think it's very exciting. And if people wanted to order a cake from you or find you, where can they find you? What's the process? Okay, so I'm on Instagram at Bird Cakes, um, so you can see like a good selection of what I offer there on Instagram. I update that the most frequently. Uh, my website is bird.com.au. Uh, there is an online shop there, so you can order a few smaller offerings from the online shop. Uh, so things like your Vax cakes, little sprinkle cakes, the mood cakes, which are the ones with cute messages on them. They're the more, uh, I guess, diluted color tone, like diluted tone for those ones in terms of color. Um, and then for custom orders, it's email. So and all of that can be found on my website, really. Amazing. So if your love language is cake, Zahara is your girl. Go and order something delightfully delicious and share the cake love. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to give us five stars and follow us on Instagram for updates and behind the scenes on all our episodes. Bye. Bye.